You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Hey everyone, it's Paige, your favorite nutrition podcaster and dietitian. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores what really matters in nutrition and health with a sensitive and realistic approach. This podcast relies on the support of listeners like you and needs donations to keep this project running. To help support the podcast, please consider making a donation at pagesmathersrd.com slash podcast. If you find this episode interesting, engaging, or helpful in your life, please consider donating, sharing with friends and family, and leaving a review on iTunes. You can leave a review about this podcast straight from your podcast app, search Nutrition Matters Podcast, click reviews, and then write a review. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Paige Smathers RD if you'd like to have a little more food for thought. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Matters Podcast. As always, I'm glad you're here and I'm so excited to share, to republish this episode you're about to listen to. So I, I've told you, many of you, this already before, but just in case you're not sure what's going on here, what I've done recently is I've I've deleted a few of the first episodes uh, for a variety of reasons, and some of them I'm just going to just retire and say, okay, we had a good run. I'm glad glad that um, glad that we had those episodes, and then others I'm going to republish as a as a way to sort of get some of the most popular earlier episodes back up into people's queue so that so that more and more people can listen. So some of you have, who have followed the podcast for a long time might have already heard this episode in the past. It's never a bad idea to re-listen and to see if you can learn something new or sometimes in a new context you you hear new things. So uh, what I'm going to be doing is going, I'm going to release my typical kind of three episodes per month type of type of situation. And then in addition to that, I'm going to release an old episode once per month. And so that's what I'm doing this month is just releasing uh, Confessions of a Fitness Model, which was a really, really well-received episode I did with Madeline Moon. And she, in case this is your first time listening, what she is just super awesome, has this fantastic story about how she was a fitness model and what that world was like. And she dives into kind of explaining what that did to her health and how that affected her mentally and physically. And then talks about sort of how she found a comfortable place to hone in on for for her own health. And she, in in case you're not familiar with her work, you can follow her on her her website. She has lots of social media things that she does as well. And she also has a podcast called mind-body musings. So if you're interested in learning more about her and her story, definitely take a listen to this episode and then maybe check out her podcast as well. So with that, let's go ahead and re-listen to this episode I did about two years ago with Maddie Moon. And I hope you enjoy. This is just such interesting insight into what what these people that we look at at like the cover of a magazine, what they really go through and how healthy are they in, in reality? So enjoy. Okay. Well, Maddie, thank you for being on nutrition matters podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Oh, well, I am just so excited to dive into what it's really like to be a fitness model. I think, I think a lot of people have some misconceptions about what that really entails. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about this. 
Awesome. Me too. <laughs> okay, great. So let's let's just get into it. Let's let's talk a little bit about your history and how you got into the fitness world and kind of give us a little bit of an idea of what your initial ideas or expectations were about that world of fitness modeling. Absolutely. So when I was younger, I was watching this show and it was talking about the dangers of um, eating disorders, basically. I mean, the show was just like a very popular kid show and I was a huge fan of watching it. And the main character's best friend was feeling super stressed with life. And she decided that the best way to control the way uh, her life felt kind of out of control was to control the one thing she could, which was her weight. And to do that, she stopped eating. And for the show, the ending of the show at least, it was her fainting and like sick and all of her friends rushed around and said, we hope you're okay, never do that again, we love you. And she said, I never will, I love myself too. And they lived happily ever after. But for me, being a child watching the show, I just had this light bulb moment of, whoa, you can control the way you feel about life and control the way people see you and get admiration and attention and all these things by controlling your weight? What? Like, that was probably one of those first moments I realized um, that controlling your weight was a way to cope with life stressors. And it goes beyond that. I, Whenever I was as young as second grade, I was told that I should always be sucking in um, because when I get older, it's easier to suck in naturally if you've been training that muscle since you were a child. Um, so I'm a second grader, like sucking in my stomach everywhere I go. I uh, just so, so many different things were happening when I was a kid that were contributing to me realizing that uh, I needed to be thinner. I needed to control my my diet. And it spiraled as I got older. I became a vegetarian that led to veganism, even to a little bit of raw foodism. And then um, I experimented with, with not eating at all. So spurts of almost, I would say, anorexia. And then I'd have spurts of purging. And never any binges, but purging food that I ate, like a perfectly decent meal, and I just felt guilty for it. So that happened all the way until college until I came to bodybuilding and fitness competitions. And I realized there was this nice and neat little way to pack up your disordered eating into this picturesque photo of <clears throat> discipline and willpower and motivation and fitspiration and like all these things that were being so admired at the time and still are obviously. But I felt like it was really coming about when I was being introduced to this, the whole clean eating craze and fitness competitions. And I realized, wow, a, a way that I can, I can eat food. In fact, I can eat lots of food for a while and get muscular. And I just have to be super in control and rigid and weigh everything and measure everything, weigh myself, know my body fat percentages, go to the gym twice a day. Like it didn't matter to me whether it was purging or restricting or controlling they all had the same root issues. And that was me looking for a way to cope with my fear of the unknown. So I found this new way that I could have disordered eating. No one would know it. And bonus, I would look like a fitness model. So I set down this path and I signed up for my first fitness competition. And I restricted my food intake down to six different types of food. The calorie amount I was eating was absurdly low. My coach was almost degrading the comments the the atmosphere i was in 
I, I became so used to it. I became so used to shaming my body and getting used to looking down on my body and feeling like I'm not enough and using quotes like no excuses to motivate me to um, stick to this low calorie meal plan that I was prescribed. And I found myself doing this for a couple of years. I did two shows altogether. And you had a pretty big following. Is that right? Like pretty big Instagram following? Yeah, I had a decent Instagram. I definitely had people following along this journey and, right. and followers with my blog because I, I did have a different blog at the site at the time. Um, and yeah, so people were asking me on a daily basis, how do you look that way? How do I get legs like that? Show us your meal plan. Do a what I ate in a day blog post. And it would always just end with me being like, you have to be super committed and super disciplined like me. Hello. <laughs> I felt so self-righteous, high and mighty, because my strict uh, um, r meal plan and my ability to say no to Sunday morning pancakes and taco Tuesdays, like I, that was below me, you know, like that's how I felt is I am above that. I am better than that. So I started to mix my morality with my food choices. I felt like a good person based off of my good eating and I felt like a bad person not by my bad eating because I really never even gave myself a chance, but by my thoughts of wanting to eat, you know, quote, bad foods. Right. Yeah. So that idea of, of tying in like who you are as a person based on the foods you were eating, you were getting really ingrained in that type of thinking. Like I'm a good person if I eat this food. I'm a bad person if I eat this other food. Yeah, exactly. Got it. And I, I love how you described it in your book. Um you know, you, you really talked about sort of how the perceptions of your followers were just kind of driving this and making you feel accountable, but in sort of an unhealthy kind of scary way. What, what would you say? Um, I guess I'm curious, should we, should we get into sort of some of those downsides of the fitness craze and of the severe restriction you were doing to kind of paint a picture of what that looks like right now? Or do you want to kind of talk about when you turned your corner? Which one do you, which one should we do first? I am down to talk about the downside of the fitness industry. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So this is one of the most interesting parts of your book. I really loved sort of how you painted the picture of, you know, you're supposed to be this model, truly this model of fitness and health, yet in your real personal life and when the cameras were off and when, you know, you weren't taking a picture of yourself or blogging or whatever with, with social media, you know, you couldn't do some of the most basic bodily functions on your own. And so let's, let's just kind of go through some of those. I really, really enjoyed that part of your book. I thought that painted a really interesting and truthful picture of that. So let's start with bloating. Uh, let's talk about what what was bloating like and why why did you have it and and what was life like with the bloating aspect well thank you first for saying that i'm glad that you liked that that section of the book that was probably one of my favorites to write because yeah. getting to the nitty-gritty well and but, people don't people don't realize that it's what it's a really missing piece of the puzzle and it's a missing conversation so thank you for talking about it they, well no no problem like my pleasure but yeah it's so true because the bloating like people see this super flat stomach in these photos and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But the truth is 99% of the time, I did look like I was pregnant because of the amount of protein I was consuming that I was told I had to consume. It's embarrassing, but at 
my for my second competition, I got to a point where I was eating more than double my body weight amount of protein and grams. Mm-hmm. So I was eating like 237 grams of protein. And even when I wasn't eating that massive amount, when I was eating just my body weight, which was around at the time, you know, 100 something, I'll just say. Yeah, that's good. It, I uh yeah, I was I was definitely feeling very you know, there's certain foods that make you feel grounded and there's certain foods that make you feel light. And I was extremely grounded to the point where I would consider myself to be a meathead. It's true. I was so focused. I was so like determined, like no one's going to get me off of this path. It made me very grumpy. But more than that, there was this bloating issue where my body couldn't process all of the powders and concoctions I was putting down. Like I was having protein powder, in my oatmeal and then I'd have protein powder at night and try to trick myself into thinking it was like a a pudding or like a muffin by microwaving it. And I was trying all these different hacks of how can I make this taste good, eat more. But in truth, I was eating zero calorie syrups and zero calorie that Walden Farms stuff that made me so gassy, so bloated. My stomach was like in pain for a lot of the time. And for someone who thrives off of, thrives off of feeling like they are perfect in the moments where you feel like, yes, I'm perfect. I feel like I'm there. Well, that is where I was. That was my constant state of, of, of my mind. I needed to feel like I was always on track to perfection. And when I was bloated all the time, I was mad at myself. Like I felt like a failure because I couldn't keep my stomach flat all the time. And Which it just perpetuated the issue, right? It just led to like feelings of, oh, I can't trust myself around food. This food makes me bloated. It almost leads to this like suspicion about every single food that you're eating, which then makes the disordered eating even more intense and even more orthorexic, right? It made me anxious because my coach would write me a meal plan and then I would stick to that meal plan, but then I would second guess everything. I'd be like, okay, well, I know he said eat this much of this food, but maybe I accidentally ate like one gram more and that's what's giving me this bloat. And that just means that my next meal, I need to make sure I eat one gram less or I need to spend more time at the gym. Right. Like doing all this mental math to compensate. About grams. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So in your book, you list, you know, some of the other reasons for that bloating is you weren't eating enough, but at the same point, you, at the same time, you were also constantly eating. And so your body just didn't really have like a break from metabolism. And it was trying to metabolize all of that, like you said, kind of like calorie free, but also protein powder concoctions of who knows what. And your body was just like, I am, I'm so confused. What is even going on here? Um, and then I really like that you mentioned the idea of like eating a lot of veggies. Do you want to just comment about, about that? Which part in particular, like the so, good side or the bad no, side? No, so like the, the downside and the, the bl- veggies leading to more bloating. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yeah. I think that's something people don't really connect sometimes. Yeah, and it's true. Like that's just kind of a fact. There are certain vegetables that are going to make certain people bloat or react in certain ways. And when you're eating a ton of them, you can expect that to happen. Um, Nowadays, like I'm very relaxed with that. Like when I bloat now, because say I ate a lot of broccoli because I I still am obsessed with broccoli and say I eat a ton of it and I bloat, like it's cool. Like I know it's going to go down. I know it's going to go away. But during that time, whenever I would bloat, first of all, I was bloated all the time. So 
anyone would be frustrated at that. But second of all, it was the, I'm a failure. I, I shouldn't even be eating these vegetables because it's making me bloat. Like what should I eat instead? And no food felt safe to me. No food felt like it was on my side. Nothing felt like it was on my side because I personally in my own little brain felt like the world was out to get me off of this very strict path I needed to stay down on even something as simple as vegetables would discourage me. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that's something people don't talk about very much. Um, And then one other thing I wanted to mention on this topic of bloating is just the fact that you were eating in such a stressed state. So what are your, what would you comment to say about, you know, the stress you were experiencing and the mental anguish you were going through day in, day out and the, the associated bloating? That is a great question. Great point. Yes. So I was constantly consuming food in a state of stress and that could be in, in different ways of being stressed mentally, physically, emotionally, every way I was stressed, but let's talk about physically. Say I would go to the gym and I would do a a, a workout, say however long it was or whatever I did, I'd come home and I would still be super stressed because my body was just in this fight or flight kind of mode because I was going crazy over there. And I'd come home and then I really, really quickly need to eat my food or, or microwave my food. I had no real connection. I was not slowing down with the food. I was at a speedy, insane pace of trying to get this meal in a bowl in my stomach so I could move on with the rest of my day. There was no love. There was no like pleasure or enjoyment. Uh, and mentally, you know, the whole mental turmoil was going on of, okay, I'm going to be eating this meal. I have to make sure it's perfectly uh, measured out and weighed. What if I accidentally have a gram too much, a gram too less? What is it going to do to my body? Is it going to make me bloated like all the other foods have? Is it going to make me gassy? If it does, what am I going to do later on in the day? Am I have to stay at home? Like, because I just can't go out. I can't be out in public because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Oh my gosh. If um, my family wants to go out to eat this Sunday, you know, seven days away, um, what, what am I going to do? I have to stick to my rigid meal plan. Like, I really hope that they don't, you know, things like that. Right. Like I'd be thinking about a meal that could happen a week away, maybe, which I would say no to anyways, but it could potentially happen and I'd be anxious about it. So I would eat in this tight, frustrated, anxious space where there was no room for flow and pleasure, relaxation, or connection, if connection, your body. awareness, um, self-love or compassion was out the window. It was just, I have to keep this perfect body. I have to look this particular way. I have to be perfect. I have to be in control. Yeah. Ugh, such a good point. So some other things kind of downsides that you list in your book and this is getting into the nitty-gritty so we we've talked in depth about bloating and I want to also just highlight some other really really interesting points you brought up let's first talk about kind of lack of desire for social engagements like you just didn't even really want to connect with with people so we've mentioned how that stressed out state kind of made you not want to connect with your own body but but also with other people Right. Yep. Because people like to go with the flow. Right. And I I had none of that. I had no flow in my life. And I, I was also in college a lot during this time. Also after college, I was still going through it. But when I was in college, 
of course, everyone wants to go out. They want to go drinking. They want to go get tapas. They want to, I don't know, just hang out, like be kids, have fun. And I was not of that life. So I was telling myself, I could not be of that life. Sure, they can be of that life, but I can't. If I have one sip of alcohol or one bite of food that's not on my meal plan, I will forever lose the shot of placing number one and being number one at this competition. Um, But also when beyond that, I I thought about like, even after that, I've got to make sure I keep the body. And if I slip up now by having a little bit of fun with my friends, then who knows what will happen to my body or who knows what will happen to my habits. Maybe I'll start loosening up more and more and, and God forbid that happens. So on Friday nights, I would just stay inside with my special little food and watch my special TV show and hit the hay at like nine o'clock, wake up in the morning, hit the gym, like the same old routine. And I was very hesitant to invite anyone into my life. Let's talk friendship wise um, or even dating romantically. I I was hesitant to invite anyone into my life because of the risk of them getting me off this meal plan and this this fitness path, but also with my family. Like my family, my mom's into being a mom and, you know, loving family members and eating good food and fashion and shopping. And when I was around, it was just – depressing. Like I would just be talking about my food or my exercise or what have you. And it always was around that. And she was a gem. She was so nice and supportive. And she never once said, I'm freaking sick of you talking about this stuff. <laughs> like I would have wanted to say very supportive. Um, but I don't think she, I also don't think she, she didn't see, she didn't see like as much as I was suffering right. as well. Cause I wasn't really letting people in on that. It was that was very secretive um, on how much I actually hated what was going on in my life. I made it look like, yes, I love fitness. Fitness is amazing. Fitness is my life. Eating clean is my life. Like, it's everything to me. I love it. Like, through gritted teeth. Yeah. Um, and everyone else is kind of like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to, like, push Whatever. you. To do your talk- thing. Yeah. Do your thing. Like, you look amazing. You look very fit. Keep it up. Also, those comments. Um, but... Um, Yeah. So the social life was just non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so on, along those lines of connection and, and wanting to kind of one side of you obviously want, wanted to connect with a person on a romantic level, but the other side of you was like, well, what would that mean for my eating and my body and, and all of that? And so will you just, will you just talk a little bit about like sex and sex drive when you're restricting to that point and, and talk about kind of what that, what that does to your body on a sex drive level. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. So I was dating someone during that time and bless his heart. He definitely thought, cause he met me when I was training for the show and he admired my discipline and he would always tell me I was the most disciplined person he'd ever met. Um, now looking back, that was not discipline. That was I was the most shamed person. I was shaming myself on a daily basis into those habits and those actions. It was not motivated out of love. I would not call it discipline. I would call it self-shaming. But that's besides the point. Um, He thought that those habits and that strict lifestyle I was living was temporary and would end when we were done with the show. And I was always very fearful of that belief he had. And I kind of would remind him like, hey, this is how I am. 
when I'm done with the show, I probably will need to sign up for another one to make sure that I stay on track with this. And he kind of went with the flow and didn't really believe me, I don't think. And um, sexually, yeah, there was there was no desire on my part because the first thing that shuts off is your sex drive when you are um, nutritionally depleted. So when you eat less calories than you're supposed to be eating, your body is like, oh, okay, well, I, can't I no make a longer, baby. <laughs> I can't take care of myself really, right. so I can't take care of a baby. So I'm going to protect the the chances of that happening by turning off my sex drive and, and reducing the possibility of having a baby as well as um, taking away my period, which is a whole nother thing. Right. But I lost a lot of motivation just to be with him, present with him mentally, to be there. I was always stressed and I was always thinking about food or my workouts and I pretty much just drove him away. Honestly, like looking back, it's it's sad for me to think about. I'm all I'm glad for everything because my story is is what's made me who I am now. Right. But it is unfortunate because we did have something good and I do take take responsibility for being the reason that it never worked out because I was so obsessed and consumed and anal about my my food intake and he was very great and patient and it's interesting because I could never date someone like that like me like how I was (laughs) I never would have been with someone like the way I was and looking back I'm like wow like I can't even believe he was so supportive and helpful um, through that time, especially with all of the the lack of sex sex drive on my part, um, yeah. So that's that's about as deep as I go with that. No, that's great. Thanks. That's really good. That's just. I think it's just interesting to understand sort of the ironic nature of the fact that you're here. You are um, this specimen of health. Yet in your book, you make the point like I can't do anything on my own without medications like sleeping was difficult for you um digestion was led to bloating and led to all kinds of you know stressed out feelings and and stressed out states um socializing digesting food sleep sex like so you just kind of list some of these core things that are just basic about a human being a human and you mentioned how ironic it is that you couldn't even do those yeah it it was interesting because my boyfriend at the time, he worked with this uh, sleep center and he was a uh, pharma, yeah, he was a pharma sales rep and he always had like sleep stuff, like sleep pills and all that. And he would, we, our nightly ritual was to break one in half and and share it (laughs) like a sleep pill so we could both sleep well. And I relied on that. I had to have that every night and he could not have it if he really didn't want it. Like he always wanted it, it. It wasn't like a dangerously pill or anything. It was probably just like a stronger version of um, Advil PM. Um, but still, needing to take anything to fall asleep, like what? Uh, and uh, you look at me. You look at me, and you see someone that looks fit. That's what our culture tells you is fit. It's it's lean body, less body fat, um, muscular, toned, whatever you want to call it. But the truth is, I couldn't digest food. I couldn't go to sleep. I didn't have my period. I was isolated. I was depressed. I was lonely. I was anxious. I was I was easily upset. Um, I was eating about 
six different types of foods? Like what is healthy about that? There are so many different types of foods on this planet for a reason. And I was eating six of them. And I've got to tell you, they are probably six of the least nutritionally uh, valuable foods, whatever you want to call it. It, They had such few things about them that were nutritional. Like really they didn't do anything for me besides provide calories. Um, And even the way I cooked it, it was very bad way to cook things like microwaving it, um, cooking it, then freezing it, then thawing it, and then like microwaving it then. Like it went through all of this different temperature change, um, eating quickly. Like there was nothing good about the way I was living, but yet everyone was telling me on my following, you look great. You look so good. You are so fit. I so admire you. Thank you for inspiring me to get healthy. So that is a very interesting point. Um, And so I would love to hear your insight into what it feels like to have this quote unquote perfect body and all of the positive reinforcement, all of the at a girl type conversations. Like how did you internalize those messages? I became a prisoner to my body. A lot of it was because of myself and putting these pressures on myself, but also feeling like others expected me to now look a certain way. I became the fit chick and I felt like the entire world expected me to stay the fit chick. And I allowed myself, I I was fully um, responsible for this. I allowed myself to live underneath that label and to not stray away from making changes I need to make, I needed to make because of what other people thought. Right. So it's part of your identity. It was who you were. It was my identity. It was who I was. And to a T, that was, I was Madeline, the fitness competitor, the fit chick, the clean eater. Like that's who I was. Those, all those labels were strung along with my name because I allowed it to be that way. And the more people told me, you look amazing, or we would all go out to eat and they'd say, oh, don't look what I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat a burger. You're so healthy. Don't judge me. I'd almost feel special because they knew I wouldn't be caught eating that. Or if we were on a road trip, all of us, my family, they'd be splitting candy and I would hear my mom say, oh, I don't want to finish the rest of this. Maybe our other daughter will want it because I know Madeline will want it. And I feel like special, like, oh yeah, I don't want it. Like everyone knows me as the girl that doesn't want the leftover candy, you know? I'm not weak like other people. I'm uh strong. Yeah, I'm not not weak. I've got discipline, something all of y'all wish you had. Right. That is how I felt. I was. I felt so proud, high, mighty, and my ego was just dying to find something special about me, and it latched onto food because that's our culture. Our culture puts so much emphasis on physical appearance and eating habits these days, unfortunately. Definitely. And it's getting worse. It's becoming more and more and more a thing to have a particular diet or have a label, but it's, it's people that spread this message that, um, I I do feel like there's a very strong community growing among body positive and anti-dieting circles that are, are making a difference, thankfully. Yeah, we're, we're doing our part, all of us here. Um, so tell, do you mind talking a little bit about the story in your book where you just barely finished your fitness competition and you go and you eat a hamburger. Do you mind sharing kind of what happened in your head and physically when you did that? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so this was after my first show okay. and we went to this popular joint, this burger joint in Austin and I had not eaten 
anything besides these select few foods for four months, whatever it was. And then I was, I was about to have dairy, gluten, uh, red meat, oils, all these different things like the cheeses, the sauces, French fries, like all these different things all at once. And I hadn't had any of them. And, and just aside, this is a very common post fitness competition ritual. Am I right? Exactly. Yeah. It's a very big thing. After a show, people, I mean, they're happy. They're done with their, their, fit, their fitness competition. They want to go out and have a big, some people will have an entire pizza on their own. Some people will do what I didn't have a burger and fries and a milkshake. Um, and so for my first show, I had been looking forward to this meal for so long. I was just so obsessed with this meal. I could not wait. And I was at this point, I was still, I was right off the stage. So I was the leanest I will ever be in my whole life. In my mind, that's what I was thinking. It's the leanest. Do I really want this burger? Do I really want to eat this burger? Is it really going to be worth it? Yes. Okay, I've got to eat this burger. So I got this milkshake. I devoured it in under three minutes, just so fast. And it was just like my body was like, like, what is this? What is happening right now? And then I devoured the burger. I devoured all the fries. And I don't know if I read about this in the book, but I, I had like my family with me and my friend as well. And I remember them all just being like, wow, you ate that really fast. And I was almost shamed. Like, no, I, wait, did I just, did I really just eat a burger? Did, did I really just eat fries and, and a milkshake? And I ate it all so quickly, but I, I don't do that stuff. I don't, I don't eat like that. And I almost wanted to defend myself because they were like, whoa, I can't believe you just ate the, all of that. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, no, take it back, take it back. And it was a moment where I should have just been fully enjoying every second of that but I was I was upset and I I yes I was glad that I got to eat those things and I was finally eating something that wasn't the same crappy food but I felt guilty um I felt like a failure almost and after that a lot of people do go out to the bars and celebrate and hang out you know in their crazy tans and my boyfriend at the time had invited me out he's like hey we're out at the bars. Come on out. Celebrate. I had the most massive stomach ache I've ever had in my life. It was awful. And it hit me immediately. So I was like, no, I can't. I got to go home. So I went home and I showered. And I remember just watching all this, this tan come off me, looking at my belly, like so bloated with this crazy, delicious meal I had just had that I was feeling guilty about. And I still ate in a very stressed state. Um, and then just like getting super sick and just spending most of the night in the bathroom and upset. And I wasn't with my family. I wasn't having a good night after my competition, just rejoicing. Instead, I was thinking, what should I have done to like place number one? What should I do next time? Um, should I have eaten that meal? Just, just keeps going. Like it just kept going and going and going and going this, this guilt and shame. Yeah. Oh, that's, that was such a good picture you painted in the book about how that all felt. And then physically, just how your stomach almost immediately was expanding and how your body was just like, I don't even know what to do with this, this weird new food. And, and it's just an interesting sort of parallel to how that really feeds the fear of food and feeds your insecurity about, well, can I trust myself with food? Should I be doing this? Should I not? Um, and then it just perpetuates the cycle. So 
uh, yeah, that's just such an interesting and real perspective on what that was like. So thanks for sharing. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that moment will always be with me. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So will you just talk a little bit about how you how you turned the corner, how you went from from that, what you just described to where you are now? Well, I'll say that after my second show, I had a very similar experience with the frustration of the prep and all the sacrifices I made, but it was starting to wear on me. It was very slowly starting to wear on me where I was realizing like, this is a little tougher than that first time. I don't know if I really want to say no to all these events. Like I felt that moment of being on the stage and it really wasn't all it cracked up to be. So do I really want to do this again? Yes, I do. I got to keep doing it. Like that was kind of my mental chit chat was like, come on, you can do it. No, I don't really want to do it. You got to do it. So after that second show, I realized it wasn't worth it anymore. And that if I continued to live like that, I would not be known for anything in my life other than clean eating and being fit, quote, fit. Um, And that's not what I wanted to be known for. I wanted to be known for being a good human being, to serve the world, to be um, faithful to my, my God and be loyal to friends. Like I just wanted to start working on the other areas of my life that were actually important and to love myself finally, respect my body finally. So I made all these changes. One of the first things I did is I intuitively, I just thought I spend too much time on myself. I live alone. I'm constantly obsessing. I need something in my life to take care of. I need more responsibility. I want something that's going to bring me joy. So naturally, I got a dog. I was going to say that sounds like a dog. (laughs) Yep, I got a dog and it was very quick. It just was like, I really want a little dog. And I saw Nina. At the time, she was a doodle bug. Um, I saw her on Craigslist. I went to go see her. I picked her up immediately and I took her home. And she's brought so much joy into my life. She was a great tool for me, honestly, to use like training wheels for relaxing and being more intuitive because I have to take her out. I have to take her on walks. I have to slow down. I have to play with her. She needs my love and my attention. And I do have to be responsible for her. So that she helped me so much learn those valuable lessons. And after that, I took an even bigger step. And this is not mandatory for everyone. This is very specific to my journey, but I realized where I was living was not serving me anymore. It was keeping me down, keeping me to this label of being the fit chick and all the pressures were wearing on me. So I moved. I moved very spontaneously, like within 48 hours of thinking about moving. Um, Wow. That's pretty spontaneous. (laughs) Yeah, it was very fast. (laughs) I mean, I I didn't tell anyone by, I just left, honestly. And that's that says a lot, though, because the people if I had made very good friendships that were authentic and true and strong, I would have said goodbye to people. But I didn't. I spent so much time in my own head, in my own little apartment. I really didn't have those bonds and I was ready to start them and create them, but not where I was living. So I moved and that's when the real work began, because once I moved, I moved to a place I didn't know anyone, not a single person I had no, nobody, all by myself, no family, no friends, just me and my dog. And I took full advantage of that opportunity. I broke away from my labels. I stopped introducing myself as, oh, I am the nutritionist or the fit girl or the competition girl. I was just Madeline. 
um, I started to, to meet new people, to go out, to take time away from what was no longer serving me, like the meal plans, the diet coaches, the, the gym for quite a while. I listened to a lot of uplifting podcasts that taught me how to be more intuitive and to stop thinking exercise was the end-all be-all. I took baby steps to eating new foods. I watched my weight increase and I was okay with it for a while. I was like, you know what? I've got to be okay with this because I've got these big life changes I need to see through. I need to make them happen so that the rest of my life is set up for more intuition, joy, happiness. And that's exactly what I did. So you did it on your own? I did. I did do it on my own. Through yeah. through sort of just using logical steps and doing what felt felt right and good to you and just kind of it seems very very much like a logical progression yeah it was and people always ask me like how was your therapy or your coaching or your training and it's interesting that I didn't do any of that I happened to be a coach and I think a lot of people do absolutely benefit from coaching and dare I say need coaching because it's just it's great to have that tool but I am I am a very um, I, like I said earlier, I wouldn't say discipline was what I would use for that word earlier in my life. But I think when it came to healing and recovery, I did have more discipline to not do those dangerous things. From like us from loving yourself, right. To love yourself. Yeah. Like taking time off from the gym. I, I took logical steps. I took a couple days off and then went back and then I and eventually took two weeks off and then I, I went back. And then I could see that I was no longer thriving in there. So I took another month off and then I went back eventually and I realized, nope, just not happy here. So I said, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to come in here anymore. I'm going to go do yoga or try out a CrossFit class or just be in a community setting, but I'm not going to do this typical bodybuilder, go into the gym, do your own thing routine anymore because it's not serving me. It's putting me back in a negative space mentally. Yeah. Good for you. That's a beautiful story. Um, so tell us a little bit, just kind of summarize how you eat now. What, what's, what are some of the guiding principles of your eating today? Today, it is very much whatever I feel like in the moment. I tend to eat a lot of the same foods, but I am also becoming more of a foodie, especially since I've been traveling lately. Um, so I'm getting more adventurous, but I do love my food. So I eat very um just whole foods i love to stuff my face with whole foods <laughs> like eat as many as i want i love it there's no good foods no bad foods so i certainly like to have sweets i have a sweet tooth so i always every day i have something sweet whether it's dark chocolate or ice cream or froyo or um so i love like cereal so i'll find some kind of cereal i like to have and have a cup of it before bed just like random things like that. But normally throughout the day, I eat lots of um, big like veggie rice bowls. I love to make those with some curry in it. And I love having chia pudding and oatmeal and avocado on toast and all the different good delicious foods, sweet potatoes. Everything is amazing, but I never say no to something that I want. Say I want a burger or I want to go out and have tacos. Like I'm going to do that. It doesn't matter if I went out yesterday or the day before that too. I'll still go out if I want it. So it sounds like some of your guiding principles are food neutrality where there isn't this idea of good food, bad food. It's just food. 
Um, and also just the, another guiding principle sounds like you're you're aiming for for finding pleasure and joy in the eating process and you're okay with that and you're comfortable with that, which is a huge step. Yeah, exactly. I want to, I just want to like nourish my body instead of, it has nothing to do with how I look anymore. I nourish my body because of how I want it to make me feel. Yeah. And that was a huge shift for me. When I eat something now, I don't think, what is this going to do to my body? I think, what is this going to do for my body? Oh, that's a beautiful little mantra. I love that. Okay, so I have two more questions for you, and then I'll let you get on with your day. Um, what We've talked a lot about you and your perspective, and obviously you're a woman, but, but what was your observation of men in this fitness world? Because I don't, I don't want to forget about the men, and I don't want to uh, leave them out in this conversation because I know that, that it's, it's equally as damaging and, and harmful and scary for men. So what, what would you comment about that? I would say that it is important for all of us to realize this is a collective issue. We all deal with body image, all of us, no matter what. The media affects every single one of us. The degree of which men struggle with body image varies greatly. Even being in that industry, I could be around guys who really wanted to look a particular way, but could take it or leave it. You know, and to me, that was always like, what? How can you how can you leave it? Like, I have to look a certain way. And they were kind of like, well, I don't know. I love the way I eat and I'd like to look that way, but it's okay. You know, that's that's not the worst place to be. But then on the other hand, there are guys that I was around that were obsessed, like constantly. Like, I remember I dated someone once and I made us a meal and he came over with his food scale and he weighed what I made him and asked for like some more because it didn't hit his macros. And so I put more on his plate. And then after the meal, he's talking about nutrition, good foods, bad foods, like looking at his veins popping out of his arm and talking about how he loves them. And it's just like, I think the reason why he was doing all that is because he was just so insecure and worried that if he didn't look a particular way, then he wouldn't be loved. He wouldn't be worthy. The same thing I dealt with. I was right there at the same time. So I understand that. And I, I get emails from men all the time and them telling me they had eating disorders. They binged and purged in secrecy. They hated their bodies for years. They wanted to be a fitness competitor. They went into the bodybuilding industry. It didn't turn out like planned. Now they're still suffering. They're trying to seek out sources. Like I've heard the story from guys so many times. So looking back, maybe all those guys in the fitness industry, whenever I was in it, were suffering too. Who knows? Like to some degree, I think many of them were. Like the degrees, like I said, vary. But I think everyone was still suffering and had it on their mind in some way. They were still in that world. They were still hitting the gym religiously and eating clean religiously for a reason other than I want to nourish my body. No, it's because I want to look a particular way. I need to look a particular way because if I don't, then X, Y, and Z, whatever the consequence is in their head, every person has that consequence. So the same message goes for men. Everything I've said can still apply to men. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And part of part of the reason we don't talk about it with men or men talk don't talk about it as much, it seems, is just, again, a cultural and social issue of 
socializing our boys at young ages to not be able or willing to talk about their emotions and to think and to see that as a sign of weakness or whatever it may be. So it's not that it's not there. It could just be that they're just not showing it in a way that, that women maybe do more often or something, mm-hmm. something along those lines. So, so yeah, I think, I think if there's any man who's listening and who's made it this far, I just think don't, don't feel left out. This is definitely not a unique to Madeline or unique to women thing that we're, that we've talked about so far. Um, okay. So last question for you, Madeline, I just wanted to ask in, in honor of this series I'm doing about focusing on body image, what would you, what's your message about body image today? And what would you say, tying that into your story as a former fitness model, what, what do you really want people to know and understand about their bodies? I would like to say that your, your best body, you know, the best body you can have, it's the body that you naturally have without having to focus on food too much or focus on movement and exercise too much and feel rigid and strict. It's, it's just your natural body. It just is. And I think every person has a, a happy weight and that's the weight that your body's going to fight to be at for forever. So if you're constantly trying to look like someone else or be like someone else, you're not filling up that unique space in this world. That's only for you. And your body's going to constantly fight to be at that happy weight that it wants to be at, whatever they may, that may be for you. And the sooner you come to peace with that and to peace with this is my body, the one body I've been given, the gift I've been given so that I can move around in this world and see things and play and have fun and feel things and, and use my sight, my hearing, all that, those beautiful things we've been given, it's all thanks to your body. And if we spend all of our time just focusing on changing our body, and obsessing over it and feeling like we're not at a certain place physically that we need to be, then we're going to be wasting a lot of precious time we've been given that we should be using for other amazing, glorious things like having fun. Like never take anything too seriously on this earth. We all die anyways. So it's kind of a weird answer, but I just no, really want people. Beautiful. I love to, that. I want people to come to terms with the body that they have now and to make peace with it and to learn eventually to love it. Just start with awareness, start with peace. And then eventually you begin to love it more and more and more and you grow into it. You begin to just see it for the amazing, beautiful thing that it is. But you do also want to train your BS meter. So when you're out in the world and everything's going on around you that you can't control and you hear people say, get your best body, look this certain way by summer, like slim down five pounds, like the top weight loss tips or look like Cameron Diaz or whatever it may be. That is all BS, all of that. And we can't, we can't stop that. I mean, that's the truth. We can, we can control what goes on in our inner world and your mind, how you see your body, you can certainly control that. But we cannot expect the rest of the world to say, you, you're enough. You're enough. You are just how you're supposed to be. You're smart. You're funny. You're beautiful inside and out. Like the world is not always going to tell us those things because then what are we going to buy? Right? Definitely. So it it thrives off of making money. So I just want everyone to also become stronger at at their awareness of the world. So when, when those messages get you down and you turn on good morning America and you hear about the new year's slim down or whatever it may be, 
you can turn away. You can turn away. You can turn it off and know that you're not crazy for not falling into that. You're actually and you're not alone. You're not alone. We all deal with this. We all live in the same world. So we all have these same struggles. But do not feel like you are a failure because you're not taking part of that fitness program that all your friends are doing or the, the latest diet. You're succeeding. You are on the right path to loving your body and nourishing your body. And I just want you all to know, like, stand up to those things. Be able to stand firm in, in who you are and love your body and uh, let the world do what it may. Let the world continue and and go on about whatever the latest trend is. But that doesn't mean that you need to take part in it. Yeah, and it really might feel like you're swimming upstream. And that's okay. Um, and that's a conscious effort to swim upstream. But but it is it is for good reasons. And it'll lead you in the direction you want to be. And one other comment I have about what you just said is, you know, loving yourself in your body today. Kind of that was the main the main message of the beginning part of what you said. I, I really loved I had a past guest on my podcast and she said something that really stuck with me. She said, it's not letting yourself go. It's just letting yourself be. And I loved that idea where, you know, sometimes people think if you love yourself, then you won't change or that you won't improve. No, it's just enjoying life and letting yourself be and letting yourself experience and and appreciate the great things that you have. Um, so that's a beautiful amazing message for this for this series thank you so much for your contribution madeline um i want to kind of close off the episode with you telling people how they can follow you or get a hold of you or follow along your journey absolutely and thank you so much for having me on everyone can connect with me on my website maddiemoon.com and that's m-a-d-d-y maddiemoon.com and on there I have a free gift for everyone listening it's called 10 proven steps for ending any diet obsession so if this message resonates with you and you want to learn more about it you can get that free guide all my social links are on there on my website and if you want to check out my podcast it's called mind body musings that's also on my website but you can download that directly on iTunes or Stitcher Awesome. And I'll connect, I'll link to all of those so that uh, that can be in the show notes and people can refer back to that if they didn't have something to write down as they're listening here today. Um, So yeah, Maddie, thank you so much for this beautiful message of love and acceptance and turning things around when you're heading down a path that doesn't feel right. Um, And also sharing the kind of nitty gritty insights of what it's really like to be what people perceive as this model of health. I think I think that that's a really unique and valuable perspective that we just don't talk about enough. So thank you. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. This has been great. You asked wonderful questions. And I really hope that this podcast serves your audience really well. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Well, thank you. Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you soon for another episode.